Happy Mother's Day to all of you, because one thing we all have in common, we all have a mother. Um, you know, uh, otherwise you're not here. Um, I had a very good mother, you know, and I realize, uh, you know, that's not always the case. Now, when my father left, you know, my mom with five kids, <clears throat> with with five kids, and you know, one of whom, me, I was pretty young still. I was uh, just out of kindergarten. Um, and he left her with uh, no money, you know, uh, no support, no idea where he even went. Uh, but my mom did what she had to do to provide for us and to make sure we had a home, you know. And, and I always knew I was loved. That was a great thing. But like I said, I realized everyone did not have a good mother. Uh, some mothers made bad choices that wrecked their families and their own lives. Um, and, and for some, you know, your mothers died much too young. And that hole uh, remains in your heart there. And I'm sorry that some of you had to face some of these things. I wish you didn't have to go through that. Um, you know, but Mother's Day is a day to celebrate really the incredible impact mothers have on their families, on the world. And I am thankful for all of you mothers here today. Um, and I pray for you. You know, I do. I, I pray for you. Uh, but the prayer really isn't just for mothers, you know. Um, I pray for fathers as well. Uh, when, when we're praying, and you know, that, that is just part of how it comes. And along with them, several of you have turned in your prayer slips at the beginning of the year asking that I pray for your grandchildren. And uh, I do. I pray for you. I pray for them. And then also some of you asked me, you know, that I would pray for family members, that they would come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I do. You know, I pray for them. And they all tie together, really, with what we're looking at this morning. Because in my prayers for you, I pray that you will raise the children in your life to have a solid, unshakable commitment to Christ. That they will have that in their lives. For some of you, it's your children, you know, your own children that you're raising at home. For some of you, it is your impact on your grandchildren. You know, for others, it's nieces, nephews. For some, it's just a kid that you have some type of regular contact with. When Jenny and I first got married, um, there was this little girl who lived down the street, and she just always used to come down, and I would remember I was outside um, Working, you know, in the yard, and I was down. I think I was pulling dandelions or something out of the ground. It was something pretty obvious. And this little girl comes, walks up next to me, stands next to me, and says, "What you doing?" Well, you know, I kind of thought it was obvious, but you see, we have an impact on people sometimes that you know we don't even realize, don't even know. Every single one of you, really, who come here, um, to one degree or another. You have an impact on every child in here. That's why if you recall, if you've been here when we do a, a, a child dedication, you know, we ask all of you to stand and make a promise, uh, you know, to, that you will do what you can to see this child knows, comes to know Christ as their Savior, that this child will be raised to, to know not just about him, but to know him. And that you will live to do what you can to see that uh, that you are that example for them, that you are uh, living a life for them. 
And I ask you to stand and do that because it's important. Every single one of you has an impact on every single child here. You know, and my prayer is that you will help them have this solid, unshakable commitment to Christ. One that no matter what comes along in this world, they will still cling to Christ. Our world does not make that easy. It doesn't make it easy for you to do that as an individual. It does not make it easy for a child, or an adult for that matter, it does not make it easy for a child to hold on to that faith through their whole life. And I don't think it's going to get any easier. You know, I I think there's going to be even more challenges. Some of you who have kids now, just think of when you were a kid even in that short time span, the, the number of opportunities to stray from God have increased monumentally. All the things out there seeking to drag them away into, into living a world that does not even recognize that there is a God, period much less one who cares about you. It's only going to be more and more of a challenge. This prayer is huge. This prayer is important that they would grasp a hold and never let go of who Jesus Christ is. No matter what comes along, no matter if it's from the world, no matter if it's by their own foolish choices. And we've all made them. But that we will hang on to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. We're going to look at this passage a bit. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you have done in giving us salvation and in helping us to stand for you. We need your strength. We need your power. We need your wisdom and direction. As we look into your word, I pray that you would help us to see and grasp hold a little bit more of who you are. What a great and powerful God you are. What a mighty God you are. What a loving God you are. Help us to see that in such a way that it will continue to transform our lives, that we will be more and more not only the people you've called us to be, but more and more rooted in you, more and more unshakable for who you are and your care and love. Guide this time, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. As I was thinking about sharing this prayer with you, Deuteronomy chapter 6 is what God immediately brought to my mind. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 162. Uh, you know, that's, um, it's, it's a great chapter to guide you as parents. It really is. This is a great chapter to guide you as parents, but it is really a great chapter to guide you also as grandparents, as aunts, as uncles. It is just simply a, a, a good chapter you know, for us to know uh, and to follow really the guidance that he gives here. It's a great chapter to guide anyone who wants to influence anyone in any way to draw closer to Christ, to come to know who God is and to draw near him. And this chapter just unfolds so much for that. Now in the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it's divided into four paragraphs. So we're going to take, we're going to, I'm going to use that breakdown as I go through this a paragraph at a time. And uh, it'll actually take us two weeks. I'm only going to cover the first two paragraphs this Sunday, and I'm going to cover the other two next Sunday, because as I was working on this, it became abundantly clear. I was 
either going to skip over a lot of stuff, uh, which is I, I struggle with sometimes, or um, just take part of it. So we're just taking part of it, and I'm still skipping over a lot of stuff. But verse 1, follow along. This is the command, the statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has instructed me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands I am giving you, your son and your grandson, and so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them uh, so that you may prosper and multiply greatly. Because Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, let me just start with a, a summary application that stood out for me from this paragraph uh, that we would do well to make a part of our living. And this is it. Put the ultimate value on the word of God. We value a lot of things and we value advice and we and we value, you know, people listen to podcasts. Why? Because they, they like what this person has to say. They watch a particular uh, uh, program on TV or something, you know, the, the, uh, uh, or, or, you know, and they twit with Twitter and all this other stuff. Because they like what, what they, they like the advice, they like the, the, you know, what they're hearing and stuff. Let me tell you, put the ultimate value on the Word of God. If you want your children or your grandchildren, anyone really, anyone that you have any meaningful contact with you, if you want them to move toward a solid, unshakable commitment to God, then you should put the ultimate value on the Word of God. You, when I say that, you should have that, you should have the Word of God as your ultimate guide in life. Not what some other pundit says, not what anybody else says, but what God says. You should have that as the ultimate guide for your life and for your living. I think this is what, what he unfolds here in this. You know, any people, and just so you know, your kids are included in people. Eh, sometimes we question that, but they really are. You know, they, 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 when they see you take the Word of God seriously as a guide for your living... It makes a difference. <clears throat> you know, it makes it makes a huge difference. You know, the word of God is there so that you may follow it where whatever you're doing in life. It says, This is the command, the statutes, ordinances, the Lord your God has instructed me to teach you, so that you may follow them. He has instructed me to give these to you, he says, so that you may follow them. Following God's commands, statutes, ordinances, it's, it's not meant primarily for those around us. While it does impact them, it is primarily for us to grow as God's people. You know, his word is there not just so we can share with others and not just so we can be a good example. Those are really simply a, 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 a bonus, a, you know, a benefit that comes along as we begin to have God's word guide us as individuals, as we are growing, as we are taking God seriously. And it helps, you know, so it helps, uh, you know, so that we may fear the Lord our God all the days of your life by keeping your statutes and ordinances. Now it says, fear the Lord. You know, that does, that does not refer to cowering in, in terror, you know, and as, as if God were an ogre or a bully. Now, if you have a Holman Christian Standard Bible, you'll notice that the word fear has a bullet in front of it, you know, a little, little black circle there, a little black dot that's in front of it. That bullet indicates to you that these words have definitions, explanations, 
in the back of your Bible for it. That's how one of the features in the Holman Christian Standard. Now, if you look that up in the back of, of the Bible, this is what it'll tell you. It says, no single English word conveys every aspect of the word fear in this phrase. The meaning includes worshipful submission, reverential awe, and obedient respect to the covenant-keeping God of Israel. You see, as we put as we put ultimate value on God's Word and we begin to be guided by it in our everyday living, then we will come before God in worshipful, worshipful submission. When we, when we have that value for God's Word, we will come before Him with worshipful submission, as it says. We will view Him with reverential awe. We'll begin to understand Him more. And we will, we will just be... We were, I was reading this morning and just amazed, you know, at that, that, of God's love and care for me. You know, for me. Not because of anything I've earned or done, but because of Him, because He is God and who He is. You know, and we'll know that. And out of, out of love and respect, we'll obey His Word. You know, that, that just flows as we put that value on, on His Word. You know, because we know Him better, we'll understand His heart more, more fully. We will understand more and more of who He is as God. When you live like that, then your sons, it says here, your sons, your grandson, and really all those who know you, they will be influenced to come to God themselves. Understand, they are being influenced. Your kids, your grandkids, your neighbors, they are being influenced. The question is, what or who is influencing them? They need people in their lives who take God seriously. Who take their walk and life with Him seriously. You know, and you can say, well, you know, their friends are idiots. Then give them parents or grandparents who aren't. I've I've counseled uh, couples, you know, and sometimes only counseled one part of the couple. And they said, "Well, you know, or my husband or my wife, whatever it is, you know, they're you know they're not following God. They're not, they're they're just doing their own thing." I said, "Then you do the right thing. Give your kids at least one godly parent. They are being influenced." They are being influenced. Make sure that your influence is influencing them toward God. Not away from Him, but towards Him. The phrase at the end of that verse got my attention. It said, so that you may have a long life. Now, long life to them meant a lot. And let's be honest, it kind of does to us as well. You know, a long, a long, a long life there. Then we say, well, what about those good Christians who don't have a long life? Now, we can spiritualize this and we can look at it, and, you know, and that spiritualizing is something you shouldn't do, by the way. You know, you should not do that. Um, spiritualize this verse and look at it and we say, well, they are living a long life, but now it's just with the Lord. 
but that, but you see that 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 while that's a true statement, you know, and 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 many verses support that statement. This verse is not one of them. This verse is not one of them that supports that. You know, this verse here, when he talks about living that long life, it's a generalized statement for God's people. It is not a specific promise that every single one of God's people will live a long life. That is not the promise there. That, you know, that doesn't happen. But use the time you do have. And none of us knows how long that will be. Now you've heard that before and you've seen that before, but more and more, you know, I've it's just come up and slap me in the face that that's true. And if you don't know somebody who has or is dying too young, talk to the person next to you because they probably do. You see, the, the point is that we make the most of the life he has given us and living every moment of it that we can, you know, to to follow God and, and to to live for Him, you know. And as I read those words, uh, you know, I thought I, I I really want the biblical fear of the Lord, you know, that I have and the respect for His Word, my efforts to intentionally live and and, and follow His Word. I want those things to have a long life in my children. And in my grandchildren. And in my great-grandchildren. And in all of those who I won't see this side of heaven. But I hope to stand with someday. Maybe you're the first Christian in your family. Isn't it good it started somewhere? Isn't it a good thing that it started? You know, if you have a cycle in your family, you know, of of foolishness over and over again, be the one to break that cycle. Be the one to start living for God in such a clear way that your children will see that and grasp that and want that for themselves. You know, and to hold on to it. You know, now, you know, The verse drew me to that, you know, but when I'm looking at this here, you know, I need, what becomes very clear is, you know, I need to influence my family and all those who, all those who know me, not simply to have a relationship with the Lord, you know, they need that. I need to influence them to have a relationship with the Lord, you know, and that's crucial. That's really that, you know, that without that, good behavior is, is for nothing. You know, because it's not what we what we earn by our behavior. It's the gift of God that transforms our life. And as it transforms our life, and this is huge. You know, that's a huge thing. You know, but it is not only that. It doesn't stop there. I need to influence my family and all those who know me, not simply to have a relationship with Christ, but also to place their ultimate value on His Word as the direction for their living. You see. As the direction for their living. He's given us his word so that we would know how to best use and have this life. I have a a writing lawnmower. It was a gift to me and I really appreciate it. Um, And with that though, I got the books that go with it. 
And there was some work I needed to do on it. And you know what I did? I got out those books. Why? Because they were the instructions on how to best use this, this writing more that was given to me. God has given you life. You want to know how to best use that life that he has given you? Then read the instruction manual that he has given you on how to live life. It's, it's not so that he can, if he wanted puppets, he would have made puppets. It's not so that he can pull our strings. It's so that we can be guided into the best life, into knowing him, into having that relationship with him. You know, place that ultimate value on there. And then live every single day in obedience to him. Follow what you see. Follow what you read. You know, it's like reading the instructions and saying, you know what, I'm just going to do it my own way. I've done that before. I remember I was putting together some little car that the kids had, and, you know, I thought I, I don't know how to put this together. I don't need to read those stupid instructions. And I did that, and I banged this little cap on the end of the axle. And then, uh, and as I got, then I realized, well, I can't put this in there now, can I? It's just it. this little cap is in the way. But it was one of those caps that the only way you're going to get it off is by destroying it. You see, we, we sometimes think we know our own way. We sometimes think we know what's best and we ignore, and we ignore the, the instructions of the manufacturer, if you will. We sometimes think we know what's best, and so we begin to ignore the instructions of our Creator. You know, and, and, it, and it gets us into nothing but trouble, living in obedience to him. We need to move along. Uh, two important directives really come out in verse 3. It says, listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them. You know, it, it is, it's important to listen, particularly to listen to God. We're not always good listeners. We aren't. I am, I am I, I just hounded over and over again by the words of James. He says, you know, by, by his own choice he gave us new birth by the message of truth so that we could be the first fruits among his creatures. Great trust he's put in us there. And then he goes on, he says, my dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak. Quick to hear. And slow to speak. I'm too often the opposite of that. I'm quick to speak before I really listen. Quick to hear. It says in Deuteronomy here, listen and be careful to follow. You see, we need to listen to the statutes and ordinances of the Lord your God has instructed. We need to listen to God's word. We need to hear what God says. And you listen for a reason, he says, so that you can be careful to follow them. Now, if you're going to have an unshakable commitment to God, if you're trying to instill that in those around you, those you have contact with, you know, your children and others, you need to listen and be careful to follow all God says. This is the command, the statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has instructed to teach you so that you may follow them. 
in the land that you're about to enter and possess. Do this, he says, do this. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping his statutes and commandments, by keeping, by living, by obeying them. I, those things that I'm giving you, your son, your grandson, so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them. You know, four, one, two, four different times he tells us, follow them, be careful, do what it says. He says, so that you may prosper, multiply greatly. Because Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Pick up with me at verse 4. Second paragraph. Listen, Israel. Uh, The Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. My summary as I was looking at this is hold nothing back from God. Hold nothing back from God. Verse 4 is a very strong monotheistic statement. It says, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Uh, they, you know, there is only one God. You know, there's only one God, only one true God. The others are false gods. Now, when we talk about the Trinity, you know, we're talking about one God existing in three persons, yet remaining one God. Now, they were in a culture and surrounded by cultures who had many gods. They had many gods. They had a god for the sun. They had a god for the harvest. They had a god for the rain. They had a god for the moon. They had a god for the. They had gods for everything. And this is what their culture is. Now, you probably notice verse 5 is, is you know, pretty familiar. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Uh, this was part of Jesus' answer to the uh, Jewish rulers who came to him. It's in uh, Matthew 22, Mark 12, Luke 10. In all three of those Gospels, you know, they ask him of all the commands, of everything that God has said, of all that is there. You know, they're talking about the entire Old Testament, everything that you see there. You know, they said to him, what sums up? What's the most important? What sums up all of these commands of God? What is it? And part of his answer was verse 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Those verses, verse 4 and 5, became part of the Shema, the, the Jewish prayer that is set in the temple uh, both at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. It says, you know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And they would say this prayer at the beginning, you know, at sunrise, sunset. They would say this as the day started and as the day ended. And they would have this bookend in there, you know, give him, give him all your heart is what Jesus says as he repeats this. Give him all your heart. You're holding nothing back. All your soul. You're holding nothing in reserve away from him. You know, give him all your strength and service to him. And when you're doing that, God becomes the focus of your living. And we hold nothing back from him in any of our living. When you're giving him all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, you're holding nothing back from him in any of your living. And then the verse gives us some insight on how we make God the focus of our living. He says, these words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Your heart sets the direction for your living. 
It's, you know, it, it directs in what you do. It determines your choices. It sets your focus. It orders your priorities. It regulates your values. Jesus warns us in Matthew, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This pulls us right back into the first application. You know, Put your ultimate value in the Word of God. And he says, repeat them to your children. It's not simply reading or memorizing Scripture together. Although that is a good thing. That is a good thing. You know, but, but that's not, you know, that, that can be part of it. But what he's talking about here is he's going through all of this. Repeat them to your children. Let, your, let your, your children, let those who you regularly see, let them know why you live like you do. Let them know how God's word directs your living. Repeat them to your children. Last Sunday at the, at the uh, table after lunch, I told a joke that I have told many, many, many times before. And my kids have heard it over and over again. And they didn't even crack a smile. Luke was sitting next to me. And after I said it, he looks at me, his face lights up, and he just burst out in a genuine laugh. You know, it was the first time, it was the first time that he had heard it. Now, you know, we, we, we repeat corny jokes. You know, you, you repeat some stories, you repeat some phrases and witticisms. Repeat to your children how you came into a relationship with Christ. Tell them more than once how it is you came into a relationship with Christ. Repeat to your children and your grandchildren and those who know you and those who see you, your co-worker at work, repeat to them how it is God's Word sets your values. Not the things around you, but God's Word. Repeat how His Word and your relationship with Him shapes your choices. Speak to them of the things God is doing in your life right now. It's not just everything He has done, but it's everything He is still doing in your life. Let them know how important that relationship is. Let them understand what it means to, to know God and to follow God. Let them know what it means sometimes to wrestle through some of those things, but to know that even though we're wrestling through it, we can still hold on to the truth of God and hold on to what He says. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Make speaking about God and His Word a normal, regular part of your conversation as you do life together with them. As you do life together with them. Make God a regular part of that conversation. Intentionally, very intentionally live for God. In my prayers for you, I pray that you will raise your children, the children that you have in your life, I pray that you will raise them to have a solid, unshakable commitment to God. 
it's important. Put that ultimate value on the word of God in your living and you will. You are influencing your family. You know, influence them toward God. Influence them, you know, toward the Lord that they would have a relationship with him themselves. They will be they will be more able to value God's word when they see you valuing it. You know, they will learn to live every day in obedience to God as they see you living every day in obedience to God. As they see you holding nothing back from God, they will learn that they can open their lives up totally to God and have Him as the focus for their living. You know, when you make God and His Word a normal part of your conversation as you do life together, you will show your unshakable commitment to God and you will help them to see the value, the importance, the wisdom of building their life on Christ too. When you make mistakes and you goof up, I was going to say screw up, but that's offensive to some people, so we won't. You know, but when you, when you do this and you mess up and they see that you can say, I didn't get this right. But you know what? God is so important to me. I, I, I've asked him to forgive me. And I'm going, to make a diff- I'm going to make a change in my life. In my prayers for you, I pray that God will help you to instill an unshakable commitment to Christ in your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your neighbors. That they will have an unshakable commitment to Christ. We're going to continue this a little bit more next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, those I've seen in my life who stick with you no matter what goes on. And some of them have faced some tremendous challenges in their life. I was able to see them stand for you and with you. And to see the value that they placed on your word and your truth has just made it so much easier for me to do the same. I pray that our example in living for you will be real. Because our kids and those around us know when it's not. Drive it deep within us so that it is so real that it can't help but ooze out from us, Lord. That others will see and know what a great and mighty God you are. That others will see and know how important it is to live for you and to live with you as we go through every single day. We need your help. We need your strength. We're not always so good at this. But we want to be. So help us, Father. One step at a time. Walking with you in such a way that we will never turn and walk the other way. And help us to instill that in every kid in this church, every child that we touch and have influence over, and those who don't know you, that we see at work, that we see in our neighborhood, that they will come to know you and that they too will grasp a hold and build an unshakable commitment to you in their lives. We need you, Father. Guide us toward that, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.